This is the Ops Authority Podcast, where my mission is to break down the backside of your business so you can take the right actions to grow and scale. Hey, I'm Natalie Gingrich, a small business operations expert, and I'm going to give you a front row seat to real solutions that will help you reach the vision that you have for your business, all while equipping you to put out those inevitable pesky fires and those fears that pop up. Listen in for strategies to grow your team, craft the systems and processes that you need for your business, and establish business foundations that you may have skipped over. I know you're ready to do really big things, so let's do it together. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome back to the Ops Authority Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Gingrich, and today we have a DOO download episode for you. This is a common episode where you are going to get the wisdom from two, I'm just going to say, amazing directors of operations. <laughs> toot, toot our own horn. Toot, toot. <laughs> Myself and our director of coaching and my dear friend, Amy Lochran. We have been around the block in DOO. I was going to say DOO dog years, but that may not. <laughs> sometimes they feel like the, dog years and sometimes the it's around really... the block metaphor and dog years together. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that didn't that didn't land. Got but some experience. Welcome to our world here, <laughs> where we are going to be dishing you the DOO download on questions that are coming up from our community. We're hearing these questions, and we thought instead of holding them behind the the door, we would bring them here to you guys and also just share our wisdom on how we take these questions. Some of them, sometimes we're going to have the same kind of thought process, and other times we're going to be able to build on one another. And there's an occasional time that we will have different views and perspectives on the questions. So we hope that you'll enjoy this conversation and also learn a lot in the process. If you're listening to us and you're thinking, oh man, I've got a question that I would love for them to answer or get their perspective on, go ahead and send that into podcast at theopsauthority.com. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. I'm super happy to be here. Yes. All right. We are going to dive in. We've got three questions for this episode. And our first one is what comes first? I'm assuming this person is up-leveling in general, but Mm -hmm. the question is what comes first, an up-leveled avatar or a new offer? This is great. You can't read this without thinking of the old, is it the chicken or the egg that comes first? What do you think, Natalie? So honestly, in most cases, I'm going to say that you need to define, attract, and talk to a new avatar because those conversations and the knowledge that you're going to gain from those conversations can help you with the new offer. Mm -hmm. Now, the flip side of that is if you've got a methodology that you have refined and maybe you have been serving the wrong audience with it, it may be that the chicken or the egg. (laughs) Yeah. But generally, I think for a large audience, you know, for those of you guys that are listening, I think generally looking at the next level avatar, I believe that we are all in search of the next best version of ourself. And when we start to believe that next best version is coming up, we start to believe that we can serve the next best level of audience compared to who we're serving today. I remember in my journey, very specifically, I was serving more of my peers at the beginning. So five-figure business owners who were, you know, just getting started, we were in a similar stage of business. And this is so common. And over time, when I started to have, just felt like I was in my groove, like I was really, really getting the results that I wanted. I was getting 
really, really positive feedback. I started to believe myself that I could serve the next best version. Along that journey, I started to tighten up what I was doing as I had decreased my scope. At first, I was doing everything, you know, offering everything for when I'm going to the pricing piece here. But once I started to believe that I was really good at it, Amy, I was like, you know what? I could share this with the next level. So, you know, I don't, I'm not a big fan of putting numbers or financial numbers to this. But at that point, I was like, I wonder what it's like to work with a six figure business owner because what I am doing, I think it can serve, you know, whether it's a five figure or a 10 figure, it's still going to be very beneficial from an opera. I mean, operations is beneficial to any business. So why not test the waters with the next level? Because I feel like I'm there. I feel like I'm ready to do that. And so I did that. And that was my process in evolving into the next best version. So that has been my my take. And from that, I did refine what I was doing. I didn't, I wasn't just doing everything that they asked. I came in doing specific project management. So I, I narrowed my scope at the same time. I found that next level that worked for me. Yeah, I I agree. I think that it's one of those things where most of the time it's going to be the avatar, right? Like it's going to be like, who am I talking to? Are they the right fit for me and my business? But I don't always think it's going to be cut and dry. I can think of a handful of different situations where in talking to somebody that I work with, we unlock throughout our time together, like, oh, this is an additional piece that was missing the business. I realize, hey, I'm actually pretty good at this. I'm not doing this in anyone else's business. I'm going to start adding this in. Oh, wow, this is great. And then I go to, I should probably be charging more now. Like this Mm -hmm. is crazy. And so it's all kind of, it's connected in an interesting way if you're open to who you talk about, like what the needs are. So if you are always, how you were saying, always trying to be the next best version of yourself in your business and the work that you do, you naturally end up up-leveling your offers, your avatars. It's when we become complacent and we just sit and are like, I guess this is the client that I have, this is what I get paid monthly, this is who I am, that you have to make that really conscious, like, I have to make a change because I want to do something different. And I don't think that is always what happens. We see a lot in the program now, we, when we're talking to women that are going through the certification, you don't have to like create this like magical person and name her and where does she go shopping and all of this stuff. It doesn't have to be that cut and dry. It can just be like, what's going on with who you're working with right now? What do you like about it? And like what slight change could make it just a little bit better? Mm -hmm. And then let's hone in on that and talk about like what you now have learned through the certification and how those two things are connecting. And so I don't think it's as cut and dry as a lot of marketing gurus out there make it, at least for the service industry. So yeah, I agree. I don't think there's anything wrong with kind of dreaming into what the next avatar for you is. And, you know, it really isn't a cut and dry method, but at the end of the day, I want us to all continue to go down the path of improving and finding the place where we feel the most fulfilled. And typically it's when we challenge ourselves after we challenge ourselves to find a new avatar. All righty, next question. Should I charge for discovery calls? What do you think? No. <laughs> there, we did it. No, I'm just kidding. I think one of the things is just to make very clear, like when we say discovery calls, we are talking about getting on Zoom or a phone call with a person to learn about what is going on in their business with you as a service provider. And really you're interviewing them too, to see if you are interested in them being your client. It's a getting to know you process to see if their needs and your services are a match. And so this 
recommendation wise, my opinion should never be more than 30 minutes because we don't want to give anything away for free. You've worked way too hard. You have too much expertise that you should be providing something for free. But you want to get to know them enough to say like, hey, I now understand what's happening in the business. If they are interested, I'm happy to provide a proposal to move to the next step. It's like getting coffee. Like you're getting coffee with a person. People say there's coffee chats, but this one has an intention. It's an intention of deciding, do we have a commonality where we should work together? And then if so, we move on to a proposal stage. You took <laughs> you took a piece right out of my head, darn it. Oh, really? <laughs> I was like, I'm coming in. I've got something to say right here. So a discovery call is different than a coffee chat. This is my terminology and the way that I would explain these. But a coffee chat is directionless. It's just a connection. It's just... Mm-hmm talking about whatever you want to talk about. It's a very organic conversation. Whereas I believe a discovery call, the intent of the discovery call is a qualifying conversation to determine if you want to move on to the next level of opportunity with you. And so a discovery call has, it has a format. There is a lot of intentionality that goes into that discovery call. So don't look at them as a coffee chat because they are not. A coffee chat is literally like meeting somebody at Starbucks and just spending the next 20 minutes hanging together. This is, for me... Sounds exhausting to me. (laughs) It sounds so fun to me, Amy. (laughs) I know. Coffee chats are not... I I find them to be very stressful. That is... Mm. That's where we do differ. See, we do differ on things. I've never been a coffee chat person. Really? Oh my goodness. I, I could tear up some coffee chats. I'm like, let's get into deep conversation immediately. Like none of this fluff. Like, so... I understand. I like to like dissect, you know, all the things and the challenges that they have and and understand. That's how I built my business was understanding what these people's challenges were. But discovery calls, for me, they have like a template that I literally have a discovery call template where I'm gathering information from this prospect to try to determine, is this somebody that fits Natalie and does Natalie fit them? And we also have a podcast episode. Mm-hmm. I've this is off the top of my head, but it's episode 68 and it's all about the 10 questions to ask in a discovery call. So that may be of supplemental help for you, but charging for them, I would not feel right charging for something where I'm gathering information to be able to tell them that they're right or they're wrong. When I saw this question, I was thinking, ooh, did they say discovery call and mean a strategy call? Because Mm. I will say in a discovery call, I love to give one nugget of strategy just so that I, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for me to do that. You should listen to episode number 68 because I go over that, I believe. Mm. But I like giving a little bit of strategy, but the goal of that call is not strategy. It's to help me and determine if I want to go into into working with them in a paid capacity. And so if I was giving a strategy call, yes, those would be paid. I wouldn't give away strategy for free. It's There's a great big price to it. So I, I wonder if that's what they meant instead of discovery call. But nonetheless, and I have heard of coaches who teach people to have people pay for the very first interaction yeah. because that's kind of like a qualifying, if you think of like a, a digital marketing funnel, it's like the low hanging fruit offer mm-hmm. at the very beginning, like you're teaching your consumer to pay you and to value you. Bottom line, I don't believe a discovery call should be paid. You brought up something that I think is really important. So like if the reason is that for a discovery call, so like the get to know you are we a fit that we would want someone to pay to value the time and make sure they're serious. 
you can do that without it being about money and not putting that barrier simply by having a good lead capture form. So Mm -hmm. in a lead capture form, that terminology, if you're not familiar with it, is just what information you collect for them to be able to get on the calendar. So you can have dropdowns, you can have open windows, you just have them give some basic information. And maybe there's one question you ask where if they answer it a certain way, you can decline the call. You don't have to get on every single call. And if it's going to be a waste of your time, use your boundaries. Say like, I'm not going to and provide a referral or just politely decline and move on. And I think doing that will get you the exact same results and not put out the block that is going to have you miss out on opportunities if you charge for discovery calls. Great, great advice on the information form ahead of time. You called it a lead capture form. Is that right? Yeah. It's very marketing of you, Amy. It's the Dipsado terminology. Oh, <laughs> the lead very. capture form. Yeah. You can see how frequently I uh, mm-hmm. enter Dubsado land. <laughs> I know. There's a Dubsado community that's like, woo, when they listen to this. <laughs> and then they have me, who's like the info form. <laughs> Third question, project management tools. Man, this comes up all the time because we are naturally inclined. Well, first of all, operators love a project management tool and we are typically in love with one There are a few of you quote unquote unicorns out there who can really just be adaptable and float in between various project management tools. But for the most part, I see people really being dedicated and true to one. And this person is asking, should I learn a new tool for a client? So they're coming in to a business that uses a new or a project management tool that they're not familiar with. She's asking, basically, should I go into that business and use their project management tool? Or should I have it be a requirement that they have to use mine? What's your take? I'm going to answer this as someone is a certified director of operations going in. You should be using their tool, is my opinion, because you're coming in to lead a team. And when you're onboarding yourself, this team is working perhaps not efficiently, not well. You've gone through a mapping with them. You might have by the end of your 90-day plan that the fact that you guys are using project management and Google Sheets, that's not effective, that we're switching them over to a project management system that works. But to have an entire team move to yours right when you're already switching the entire organizational function of you coming in the business, to me, that is too much change at once. And so all project management tools are relatively, at the core, very simple. And how you would use it at this level is very simple. And so eventually you could change, but I don't think you should require anyone to come to yours unless you are coming in as a consultant or someone that's a short project where you're not dealing with the team at all. You would only be dealing with the leader. Oh, goodness. I don't know about you, Amy. (laughs) Do we disagree? (laughs) Well, I do like the idea of validating that a couple things pop up for me. How robust is this team that you're coming Mm -hmm. into? Is this like a two-person team? Is this a 25-person team? If there's a lot of people that are already here, then I probably am going to just by sheer numbers, I'm going to be using their tool. Yeah. I also want to second the advice that you gave on, you don't know how this relationship is going to go. We're very hopeful in the beginning, but to come in and make a drastic change with a team of 25 makes zero common sense. So we're not going to do that. So I agree with you there. I also believe that I, basically it should become a part of my qualifying 
pieces for me saying yes or no. Like if I'm really passionate about a particular tool, mm-hmm. then I may only work with people that use that tool or are open to putting in and maybe they don't even have a system, you know, in place. But, you know, if you're agnostic or you're really dedicated to one particular tool, then I would make sure that you make that clear ahead of time. You don't want to have a mismatch in expectations where someone's using ClickUp and you've never had spent one day in ClickUp. You know, I would want you to be transparent about that at the very beginning. So I know that another question I would ask this person is like everyone has project management tools, but hardly anyone uses them. If they don't have a director of operations or an operator, like they have this tool, but it's on the shelf. It's not used. It's not up to date. It's not. And so if you're walking into a business that has one that's in purgatory, then ask them, can I revive something else? But if they have a team that is already using a system, I would not walk in and say, oh, Natalie's here on day two, and we're going to switch over from Trello to ClickUp. Here we go. I mean, that's obviously not going to be a great way to build a relationship, but I think you get to determine this. I think you Mm -hmm. as the leader and the contractor or, well, probably contractor in this case, but you get to determine what tools you're comfortable with. And if you don't feel comfortable with particular tools, it is up to you to communicate that ahead of time. This is where I can see communication and expectations going sideways before you even start. So for me, the answer to this is sometimes... Sometimes you're going to need to use a new tool and then other, I just think you have to get a lot more information than what's presented here. Yeah. I just, if we have a team, I think it's personally, it would always be no in the beginning because even if it's not revised, like if it's just like living in purgatory, we have no idea where information lives. And so like you said, like we can rub the team wrong because Ideally, when we come in, we're cutting off a lot of communication from the CEO, the leader to the team, and that causes friction Mm -hmm. if it's not handled and the correct communication plan isn't put in place. And so this is just like one of those where if you have it as part of your onboarding plan, what you're going to do and really try and dive in and figure out what's happening and the digital mess that every business owner has that they assume is way worse than any other business owner. Mm -hmm. Trust me, it's not. It's all really bad everywhere. Everyone's digital messes. So going in with grace, as long as you, like Natalie said, tell them where your stance is on the project management tool, then I think you give yourself a little bit of time there. Yeah. And Amy, I know we agree on this and I hope every person listening to this, the only project management tool that actually works is the one that is used. Mm -hmm. And so they're not hard to learn. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about creating a task underneath a project. And of course, there's a lot of complexities and a lot of really cool swanky systems out there. But at the base, it's about projects, timelines, assigning tasks to people. So, you know, having reminders and and whatnot. So understand as an operator, knowing and being familiar with project management tools it's a deal breaker. I think you yeah. have to. I think that it's it's the way that you are going to be most effective and lose your mind a little bit less because you're going to have something automated that's going to be there to support you. You're not pulling sticky notes together or you know looking in various Google documents because Lord knows that digital mess is, is real special. <laughs> so very true. Amy, what's your favorite project management tool? Oh my gosh, I have been a ClickUp person for a very long time, but I have actually recently spent some time in Asana and the simplicity over there is 
kind of taking my heart away. I think it was always, I know this is a shock for you. You are not seeing my face friends, but I I have got the jaw on the ground right here. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it came from, and I click up friends, cover your ears. I struggle with the delay that ClickUp has when you open and shut. There's like a millisecond of delay that happens when you move around. And I find that to be very frustrating, which probably says way more about me than the actual interface. I'm I'm shaking my head. Yes. (laughs) But I was never a big fan of Asana. And I think it was because I wasn't in paid Asana. Now, do I have an issue with the fact that paid Asana equals a lot of the free plans for other systems? Yes, but it's very streamlined. I enjoy it. Yeah. I have to put blinders on. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I know back in the day when I was kind of getting my bearings and before I could put a stake in one of the project management systems that I was going to just, Natalie does or uses this. Before that point, I would dabble in a lot of them just to kind of see what they look like. And so I could kind of, you know, figure out which one I liked. And that took a lot of time, to be honest. It took way too much time. And I think if you're starting out on a project management tool, I think Asana or Trello are the easiest to learn. Mm -hmm. And Nowadays, they function so similarly, which has come a long way in the last seven years. But ClickUp was a beast, is a beast for me. And I don't know, like, I feel like I am such, I can be so fluid between project management tools, but man, there's something about ClickUp. And it's probably now that in my business, you know, Alex and the team is pretty much in ClickUp more than I am or in Mm -hmm. any project management tool more than I am. But back in the day, and even today, I still have a lot of my personal stuff in Trello because it's so easy and so pretty, but it got to be the wrong place for a growing, scaling team like mine. I'm sure I could figure out how to make it work, but at the time, the complexities became too much. So we ended up moving from Trello into ClickUp. So I think you brought the exact point up. ClickUp is a phenomenal tool if everybody uses it the way the operators who manage the projects use it. But because you can put so many intricacies in it on every single level, if you're just popping in there to find something and you don't understand all the levels and all the custom fields, you very quickly are like lost in a maze. And so if you have a team that you're working with and you get it, but everyone else perhaps is a creative, that's a hard sell because you're basically just remaking Asana and Trello for them in there mm-hmm. if they don't want to go through training over and I've over totally again. done that. Yeah. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> you know, I have to say that this is off the topic, still in project management tools, but off the topic. As an operator... Like knowing the business that you're coming into and it's actually not even the business, it's more of the leader and the way that they use or, you know, how involved do they want to be in the project management tool? As a DOO, I want my CEOs out of there. I don't want them touching it because I want to own it. I need to understand the full breadth of the company. And that's a great place for me to see the day-to-day management and any gaps or or lapses or late or issues that are coming up. So I, that's kind of my ground rule is I'm going to be the owner of the PM tool. I will say that what I have learned in my own business is that you have to develop a system for the way that you put projects into Mm -hmm. these tools, the way that you put them on your sketch pad and you put them, however you design all of the planning pieces of the project 
you can do that on your own. But I believe that you have to have some standardization inside of the tool. And when you do that, you need to make sure that you can communicate that to other people on the team. Because right now inside of our business, we've got three different leaders over the three different areas, marketing, operations, and delivery. And each of you guys use click up a little bit differently. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that's really frustrating. I'm like, gosh, like, I don't think like this person, or I don't, I would never set it up like this person. And, you know, I share a brain, a very similar brain with you, and we still would set up click up differently. Well, first of all, you know it a lot better than me. So you can do cool things that I don't even think to do. But my point is that the standardization across the company is very important. And I think that this is something that an operator, whoever owns the tool, should establish that and then teach the other people That's just true. so that everybody uses it the same. When we talk about you know how different people have different levels of training and all of that, yes, that's going to happen because different people are going to have preferences and want to dive deeper into the tool. But I think just a, a little nugget for you ladies today is to, if you're in a place in a business that really uses a project management tool, creating some standardization in the way that you use it, super important. I completely agree. All righty, ladies. Well, thank y'all for hanging out with us today. It's always an honor to be here and honest to spend time with you, Amy. I, I love know. getting... These are fun. We work together, but when we work, we're working. We're not yeah. going over some cool questions like this. <laughs> this is fun chat. We would probably chat the same way over dinner. So this works out Sadly. well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're really, really cool. We definitely wouldn't do that. <laughs> Never. Alrighty, dear. Well, I hope you have a good day. And listeners, thank you all so much for hanging out today. We would love for you to join us and continue this conversation in our free Facebook community, theopsinsiders.com. Head on over there. We'd love to get you inside there and continue the conversation. Hope you guys have a great week and you'll hear from us next week. Thank you for investing just a little bit of time to listen to this episode of the Ops Authority Podcast. I am so grateful to be surrounded by real action takers like you who are invested in growing their business through operations. Will you add one more action to your to-do list today? Visit theopsauthoritypodcast.com where you can join our community of business owners and other ops experts. You're going to hear from me in a week, but in the meantime, do big things on the backside of your business.